Hello, I give you a very warm welcome as you join us in our Search for Truth programme with me, John Martin, and Brian Johnston, your Bible teacher. It's 15 minutes of Bible teaching and hymn singing, and a very special welcome if you're joining us for the first time. If you're a regular listener, then you need no introduction to Brian, of course. In Brian's present series of study talks, we're following the journeys of the Ark and learning valuable lessons about our Lord Jesus, about whom the Ark illustrates so preciously and clearly. Handling with care is the title Brian's given to his talk today, and he's talking about the particular family of the Levites, whose special responsibility it was to carry the Ark on their shoulders. What a privilege the Levites had. But it was a burden too, bearing it on their shoulders. It reminds me of the Lord's words to Ananias when he sent him to Saul of Tarsus just after he got saved. He is a chosen vessel unto me, he said, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. That's our responsibility too, of course, and all those who preach the gospel. We're bearing the name of Christ, lifting it high and in such a way that he will be highly honoured. So, we'll hear what Brian has to say now about the care needed in handling so high and lofty a responsibility. But first, let's join in the prayer hymn. Lord, speak to me that I may speak in living echoes of thy tongue as thou hast taught, so let me seek thy daring children lost and long. Oh, give thy most sweet rest to me, that I may speak with soothing power, a in season as from thee to If you've ever been camping, especially part of a group camp, you'll know something of the effort that's involved in breaking up camp and moving on or going home. It's so much easier, of course, when there are many expert helpers who know exactly what to do and who get on with it. Just imagine, then, the job of taking down the tent known as the tabernacle in Moses' day and preparing all its structure and furniture for transportation. Surely it was good that the three divisions of the Levites knew their individual duties well. Those of the family of Gershon had responsibility for transporting the coverings and curtains and courtyard hangings. To assist them, they had two wagons and four oxen at their disposal, according to Numbers chapter 7. Then we read in chapter 4 of that same book that the family of Merari had the even heavier task of conveying the boards and pillars with their heavy sockets and bars. Just as well, then, that they had four wagons and eight oxen at their disposal, twice as many. In contrast, the remaining third branch of the Levites, the Kohathites, were not given any wagons or oxen. Their special responsibility 
was for the Ark of the Covenant and the other holy furniture of the sanctuary. And concerning it all, Numbers chapter 7 and verse 9 says, they carried them on their shoulders. So in particular, they bore the Ark on their shoulders whenever they moved camp. To do this, chapter 4 tells us they used staves that were part of the original design of these furniture items so that they didn't so much as touch any of the objects themselves, especially the Holy Ark of the Testimony. As we remember that this sacred chest of the Ark of the Testimony specifically symbolised the Lord Jesus Christ and that God's servants then weren't to touch it, nor to transport it on carts, but rather to bear it on their shoulders, feeling its weight, perhaps we are reminded of the need today for care in our handling of the testimony of Christ. How careful we need to be as we bear witness to him in the gospel. Nothing in our presentation, nothing in our lifting up of the Saviour must jar with the gospel of the glory of Christ. The Apostle Paul and his co-workers in gospel mission work provide us with a good example. There was nothing casual about their approach, as we can see from their report in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the early verses. This is what we read. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labour and toil, for labouring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves amongst you who believe, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. So there, in his letter to Thessalonian converts, Paul speaks about how God had entrusted him with the gospel, just as a householder entrusts his property to his steward. But more than that, Paul saw himself as being like a nursing mother and, at the same time, like an encouraging father to the new converts at Thessalonica, those to whom he had preached the gospel of God. In preaching, he'd acted like a herald making a public proclamation. So he was conscious, wasn't he, of the heavy responsibility he bore in the matter. He and his co-workers saw themselves as stewards, mothers, fathers and heralds in all their communication to and concern for those who were coming to faith in Christ. 
They spoke, not as pleasing men, but as pleasing God, who proved their hearts. There's a great danger today, as always, in the preacher seeking to court popularity by setting out to please his audience at the expense of God's truth and at the expense of faithfulness to Christ. The preacher may be tempted to pander to current fads or endeavour to make his message socially acceptable by minimising the offence of the cross. Paul was no preacher like that, since his aim was to please God, not his hearers. Let's learn the lesson from the handling rules governing the picture of Christ we get in the Ark of the Testimony, that we are most definitely not to tamper with the Gospel, the Gospel of Christ. Its content is untouchable, but some today, as in Paul's day, are preaching a different gospel. From a reading of the first chapter of Paul's first letter to the Church of God at Thessalonica, we can see something of the calibre of these converts. What a testimony and influence they bore, extending to far beyond their own neighbourhood. They had become the talk of the region. Surely this was in no small degree due to the purity, clarity and quality of the preaching of the preachers we've been hearing about from chapter 2. Paul speaks there of being affectionately desirous of those Thessalonian converts, of imparting not only the gospel, but his own soul also, of working day and night, of behaving faultlessly, and of giving fatherly encouragement. No wonder the message had such an impact in the first century. Can we match up to such a love for souls? Is our lifestyle so transparently sincere and open and accommodating? Are we as selflessly diligent? Do we practice what we preach with as high standards for ourselves? We mentioned last time that the ark was covered over while on the move between camps. This in itself wasn't unique, for the same was true of the other articles, according to Numbers chapter 4. But the case of the Ark of the Testimony was quite unique in terms of the number of its coverings and the order of them. First, it was covered with the beautiful veil that separated off the holiest compartment within the tent of meeting or tabernacle. When everything was being dismantled in order to move camp, the priests covered the Ark with that veil that hung between the two rooms. Even the privileged Kohathites who would bear the ark, were never to see it uncovered in the sanctuary. Then over the ark went a second protective covering of leathery material, corresponding to the outer tabernacle covering. Finally, there was the outermost, visible covering of the blue cloth, with all its association with obedience, as we saw from Numbers chapter 15 last week. So, in terms of coverings, let's recap. There was the attractive veil, the way to God, speaking beautifully of Christ. Then there was the protective leather, and then the blue cloth. May I suggest that in adorning the preaching of Christ today, as we bear testimony, there are three things we must ensure are covered. That first and foremost, in our testifying, we present not ourselves, but the attractive Christ of God. Present him clearly as being the only way to God that there is, 
No one can come to the Father except through him. Secondly, that we protect our witness from any damaging trends which endanger the purity of the gospel of Christ. And finally, that from our own obedient lives, we, like Paul, challenge our hearers to obey the gospel. The blue colour denoting obedience reminds us again of the example of Paul, who never shrank back from declaring the whole counsel of God. No easy believers on this, but a costly discipleship, one that's true to all the New Testament scriptures. Thank you for listening with us today. I remind you once more how you can obtain the transcript book of these 12 studies so you can get more out of the radio talks by reading and studying them in your own time. It's available online. Either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media or if you're not able to do that and need to request a hard copy book just write in and ask for the title, The Journey of the Ark. You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. I hope you enjoyed today's talk and you'll join me again next time for another study in the journey of the ark. Till next time then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon and in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Bye.